0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. This month, DJ Cool learned that his iconic rap anthem, Let Me Clear My Throat, has finally been certified platinum. He joined me to celebrate the occasion and reflect on growing up in D.C. to carve out his own piece of hip-hop history. Hey DJ Cool. hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in your hometown of Washington, D.C. Yes,
1: indeed, man. Like this is a first for me. Like who would have thunk that DJ Cool would have ever been on WTOP? Man, like I grew up <laughs> listening to WTOP, so this is this is big for me.
0: Right, traffic and weather and all the news. I mean, I get to do the fun entertainment stuff, but what, what, how is this possible? How have we never had you on before? That's crazy.
1: I don't know, man. Maybe I was going this way and you guys were going that way, so we finally <laughs> figured out how Bring to meet it it together the <laughs>
0: Well, it's awesome. I'm glad we had an occasion to do it. And we'll, we should tell everybody why we decided to talk today. Because this month, just, you know, a couple a couple of week or two ago, um, your hit song, Let Me Clear My Throat. We all grew up listening to it. Uh, that's the soundtrack of our lives. But uh, the song just went platinum, certified platinum. So congrats, my friend. Uh, where were you when you heard the news?
1: uh to be perfectly honest with you i was saying my prayers and i got a phone call from a friend of mine up in philadelphia uh shout out to big al and he was like cool you know your record just went platinum i'm like man get out of here what are you talking about i said where, where did you see that at He said, go to the riaa website and i did it and it was right there and i'm like <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, that's a mind blowing thing. So what what do they do they give you like one of those big records, you know, in a frame for the wall or what what's what happens?
1: Yes, you definitely get a plaque and uh a bunch of other things that come along with it, like being able to do interviews on WTOP. <laughs>
0: You earned that right a while ago. I we're this is overdue as far as I'm concerned. Uh that's so that's so awesome. Well, I want to we'll do a deep dive into the song obviously because that's what we're celebrating. But whenever I have you know a famous person like yourself, I like to go a little chronologically if possible and tell them your backstory and all that stuff first. So I know you were born in here in D.C. in in 1958. Uh John yeah. W. Bowman Jr. is the name, uh, the birth name before DJ Cool came about. Um, where where what part of the city exactly did you grow up? Up, you know, what What schools, you know, I, I, our listeners would love to hear exactly where.
1: I'm from Southeast Washington, D.C. Um, I guess chronologically, as far as my uh, education is concerned, I went to John Tyler. I'm sorry, I went to St. Peter's Catholic School. I also went to John Tyler Elementary School. I went to Randall Junior High School and Eastern Senior High School.
0: Awesome, awesome. And what were you listening to at the time? Because, you know, I guess... Hip hop. I mean, we're celebrating 50th anniversary this year. But what was it back then? Was it go go? Was it early, almost getting into hip hop as you got a little older? Or what would you listen to?
1: Well, before the go go thing started, it was a lot of funk music, a lot of disco and R and B, a lot of James Brown. <laughs> and um, and then, excuse me, and then when hip hop came along, it was it was King Tim the Third, um, Sugar Hill Gang. Grandmaster Flash, Curtis Blow, and so on and so forth.
0: Oh, we actually, we had Grandmaster Flash and Curtis Blow and MC Light. And some of the really early pioneers, Uh, they've called in and, and done interviews before. And it's so fascinating hearing the early days. And I want to hear it from you, too. Like, the early days before hip hop was even mainstream or even on the radio. Like take me back to when it first bubbled up, like out in the clubs, a lot of call and response to the crowd and just on the ones and twos on the turntables. Like tell me about your memories of sort of when it was still like an underground thing, just, just swelling to the surface.
1: Well, I kind of started right before, like at the tail end of the disco thing. And right when the hip hop thing was starting to come in, I started as a DJ in 1977. So I'm once again, I'm playing a lot of funk, um, A lot of R&B, some disco, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just a lot of good dance music. Uh, Hip-hop started coming along around 1979. Uh, Once again, the first singer that I heard was a song called um, King Tim III, Personality Jock by a funk band called the Fatback Band. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, they were from the 70s, uh, from New York. And uh, then next thing you know, here comes Sugar Hill Gang with uh, Rapper's Delight, and, you know, now we knee-deep into this hip-hop thing, and so uh, I guess I could segue into uh, an answer for a question that you're probably about to ask me <laughs> as far as my earliest influences, uh, musical influences. Um, My earliest musical influence as far as hip-hop is concerned was Grandmaster Flash, which figure Hill gang, mm-hmm. Uh, but then Grandmaster Flash, and uh, as a DJ, also Maniac McLeod was my earliest DJ influence around here. I heard him in 1975. Uh, my earliest influence, as an MC is concerned, was from Melly Mel from Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five. And my earliest influence, as far as becoming a go-go music artist, is The Godfather.
0: Chuck Brown, of course, rest in peace, Chuck Brown. Yeah. Um. I mean, those are amazing influences to have. And thanks for, you know, giving me the backstory. Uh, what what clubs what clubs are you doing? And I'm sure a lot of them are probably closed now. The D.C. music scene, the venues have changed so much. But if maybe some of our listeners maybe remember some of them, you know, shout out. A, if you remember some of the names of the old clubs you used to spin at.
1: Well, I started as a mobile DJ in 1977, and I did that for the first two years. Uh, shout out to Doctor Ashton Greaves. He had a company called the Sound Service, and we moved around doing a lot of mobile DJ, uh, mobile, you know, DJing events. Uh, Nineteen seventy nine, uh, I had my first opportunity to play in a club that was called the Paragon Two. Ah. That was on Carson Avenue in Georgetown.
0: My parents tell stories of going down to the Paragon Two and di- dancing disco and everything. It was like a big deal in Georgetown, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> yes. And so uh, I, I did the Paragon from Paragon 2 from 1979 to 1982. Uh, I got a call from who I just mentioned, my mentor, uh, Maniac McLeod. He was playing at a club that used to be called The Room. That was on 12th of New York Avenue Northwest. I worked there from 1982 to 1986. The Room closed in 86. I got a call to go to the Classics. Out there on Allentown Road in Camp Springs. I had a big Monday night thing out there. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh then the clubs after that, I did the Ibex, Georgia Avenue Northwest. I did uh what was that? The East Side. That was in um Southeast slash Southwest part of DC. Uh Triple's nightclub. That was in um that was right across from Ivan Mall in uh what was that? Triple Hills, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, what other clubs, man? Rhythms, that was in Landover. Um, uh, Let me see, the Legends, that was um, uh, what part of – well, anybody know where the Legends was? That was in Maryland as well. We call it Southeast Maryland because it was right on the the borderline of uh, Southeast and Maryland. Uh, Not too far from Triple's Night Club, as a matter of fact. And then it was a bunch of other clubs. So I actually worked the club system in D.C., from let's say 1979 to 1996. Once upon a time I was working seven nights a week between DC and Maryland
0: the hardest working man in the biz back then that's awesome well thanks for dropping some of the names of those clubs that bring you back so much nostalgic memories I'm sure for a lot of listeners Um, uh, before we get to you know the, the your recordings your albums you started putting out uh, one final thing about sort of the club scene any good stories or memories of anyone that came into your club like any any other famous rappers or musicians or local athletes you know any of the old burgundy and gold you know were there any movers and shakers politicians that came into any of your shows any memories
1: well if any politicians came in they were way back in the corner in the dark somewhere because they probably <laughs> didn't want nobody to know they was in there <laughs> But um, i could talk about one one uh incident in particular that happened one night on a sunday up at the ibex uh chuck brown was performing i was a dj for that particular um uh, party or what have you ll cool j came to the club unannounced Whoa. But they brought him through the back door, so therefore they had to take him up that hellacious fire escape <laughs> that I used to have to pull my records crates up. We oh don't my. even want to get into that part. But <laughs> anyway, they brought him in the back door and brought him in the DJ booth. Chuck Brown was up there doing a LL Cool J song, uh, I'm Bad. Yeah. So I tell LL, I say, "Yo, man, go up there and rock with Chuck." And he was like, "You sure right there? Like, yeah, go ahead, man. Ask Chuck. You know what I mean? Chuck is all love." So he went up on the stage. Chuck was looking in the opposite direction. I guess uh, LL came up on his blind side or what have you. So people start screaming. I guess you know, pop thought They were screaming for him. So you know, he's into it. <laughs> and he looks over LL Cool J is standing right
0: there. Wow.
1: He he introduced him, and then Chuck and LL started to do. A live version of I'm Bad and I swear the rest is history. Like that's out doing the PA tape somewhere, as a matter of fact.
0: Oh, so it's floating around somewhere. There's a video
1: somewhere. Of it. Shout out to them people at PA Palace. They probably got it. I can remember another night. Uh I was playing at Triples and we had Gogo that particular night as well. We had the junkyard band there. Um, to make a long story short, my guests for that night were Ice Cube and Yo-Yo. Yo Yo had her hit single out at the time. Uh, You can't play with my Yo Yo. So Junkyard was up there. You know they getting it going and everything. And once again, I'm telling them go up there because these bands always cover your music. Ice Cube goes up there and get into his Ice Cube thing. Boy Yo Yo up there and she got into her sing. You know her hit single at the time. And um, once again, the rest is history. So I tell people all the time, go go. Some of the most powerful music on this planet. Once again, shout out to our godfather, Chuck Brown. That is the music of our city. That is the music. That is one of the things that makes us who we are as far as the culture of this city is concerned. You know what I mean? Yeah. That particular music. So if you hear Go-Go Live. I don't care who you are. I could get you in there. And you get, I mean, you you, you cannot deny that go-go beat. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care who you are, where you from. Once that drum and percussion start rolling, like, that's it. It's a rap.
0: Yep absolutely absolutely Thank for those stories man ll and ice cube and yo i mean come on that's amazing all right so then i guess if we're moving it forward then right after that then i guess you uh we should tell everyone before you get to let me clear my throat that was 96 you had two albums even before that right the music ain't loud enough in 90 and uh 20 minute workout in 94 memories of those early ones before you blew up with let me clear my throat
1: well, yes, you're uh, absolutely right. The uh, The Music Ain't Loud Enough album came out in 1990, but the singles from the album started in 1986, which was, uh, I guess, the title track of that particular project, The Music Ain't Loud Enough. So I had a record, for the most part, somewhere on the Billboard charts, Top 100. Probably on the lower half, but I was still on there. Uh, From 1986 (laughs) consecutively, consecutively, let me get my tongue working properly, consecutively (laughs) all the way up to 1996, whereas we really cracked the top 20 uh, with Let Me Clear My Throat. So every year I had a single, Music Ain't Loud Enough, uh, How Low Can You Go, What the Hell You Come In Here For, Reggae Dance. Uh, uh, a bunch of records, man. I Can Make You Dance, 20-Minute yeah. uh, uh, Work. Bunch of records. And every record hit the chart somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So we started National in 1986. We were the first hip-hop artist to come out of this area mixing go-go and hip-hop in 1986. And then a lot of artists came after me. Shout man. out to DC Scorpio. Shout out to It Ink. Yeah. Shout out to Fat Rodney man. and a host of others.
0: Bismarck, rest in peace, Bismarck Key.
1: Oh yes, Bismarck, yes indeed. That's another story in itself. Like you'll never see that again. Bismarcky was like a comet, like Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? You'll never see that again.
0: Oh yeah. You never see that again. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Amazing. He, yeah. Thank, yes. Thankfully, he called in. If our listeners want to hit, check out the archives of the podcast, he called in and did a a freestyle beatbox of WTOP, the best radio station in all of DC. He it was amazing. But rest. It was so sad when we lost Biz. Um, well, that's cool. Thanks for reminding everybody that you had, you know, you were charting, like you're saying songs here and there for about a decade from 86 to 96 leading up to let me clear my throat. Um, so that brings us to the big, uh, the big song we're here to talk about. Cause it just certified platinum. Um, let me clear my throat. It comes out in 96, the album of the same name let's let's i want to break it down let's talk the music of it the musicology of it first and then we'll get into sort of the lyrics and, and your voice on it but the, let's start with just the music um i believe it opens with the cool and the gang's hollywood swing in the den and i believe uh mace also later used that for you know you make me feel so good Um uh, the bad boy stuff with puff daddy but um anyway so it opens with that and then it goes into a sample of the 900 number by 45 king um the da um uh take me into sort of the idea to to do both of those and put those together you know were, were you had you been spinning those records in the clubs and you finally were like hey let's put a song or I want to know your idea to use them
1: well definitely the 900 number was something that I was using all the time to kind of kind of bring in like my hip-hop Set when I when I'm DJing, that's like my little segue song. Yeah. Uh, first of all, rest in peace. We did recently lose Mark Forty Five, DJ Mark Forty Five King, and here's a little fun fact: I never got a chance to speak to him. Really, I never met him. Man. Out of all these years, and it would have been amazing to meet him like right now, right. you know what I mean. So when 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 I did put up a post on Instagram, a rest in peace post, I said, "And hey, baby, we just went platinum." You know oh, what I mean? That'd
0: be great. Um, yeah, I built didn't he also? He did a lot of songs like um, "Hard Knock Life" for Jay Z. Like he did a ton.
1: Big records, a lot of big records. He did "Stand" for Eminem. Yeah. Oh. Uh, a lot of big records, like a lot of people that that really know their hip hop, like from a production standpoint, know that Mark Forty Five King has like crazy hits out there. You know what I mean? So yeah. rest in peace to him. And never be another. Um. So let's. I guess we could segue a little bit into the story of how I clear my throat. I guess came about. Yeah. And I'll probably give you, uh, I'll try to give you the skinniest version of how that <laughs> happened as I can. Uh, something, I was playing uh 900 number in a place called, a club called Outreach in Richmond, Virginia. Shout out to Steve Branch who was the owner at the time. Um, and I was about to say something to the crowd in my DJ MC thing that I do. Something actually got caught in my throat. And so to kind of play off the fact that I was actually up there dying in front of everybody in real time, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I just spontaneously said, let me clear my throat, which is a Beastie Boys line.
0: Right. From uh, License to Ill in 80s in 80s, the new exactly. style, right? <laughs> Yeah.
1: There you go. So, and then the rest of it, the, the rest of the song just kind of started making itself the little uh hammers. I hope you don't mind. That's what yeah. I call my Chuck Brown isms <laughs> and whatnot. So I recorded a song called the 20-minute workout live yeah. at Ivory's. And um I actually put a snippet of what later became Let Me Clear My Throat at the end of that recording. The record came out. I got a call from a, a, an air personality that was uh, working at um, working at a station in Philadelphia at the time. Okay. Uh, Don Mystic Mac. He was like, cool, you got these people in Philly going off on this go-go thing. You're doing this 20-minute workout. But whatever you're doing over that 900 number, boy, these people are losing it. You need to come <laughs> up here and see it. Yeah, so we went there. Um, we checked out this uh, this show that they had. It was incredible. Uh, shout out to um, DJ Rand. He was a DJ for, for the show. Uh, he dropped the snippet of what "Let Me Clear My Throat" became. Sixteen thousand people stood up in the Core State Center. Um, I got booked to do a show, and where we actually did the live recording for "Let Me Clear My Throat" at, which was a place in Philadelphia called Bahama Bay. Shout out to my manager. Walt Reader Jr., Big Block Entertainment, that's who got me in that situation. We recorded the song live. Nobody knew that we were doing the live recording, so we got it, the first tape. Because basically, we were just recording the live performance. Sure. And that's like my little method to my man to see when I do these live records. Uh, whereas the 20-minute workout was the very first live recording that I did. Okay. And I was cutting Dougie Fresh, I'm Getting Ready, right back and forth on the turntables while I'm doing this 20 minute workout routine. And all I did was mic the room up so you can hear them. And I had my mic in front of me so you can hear me and I'm going back and forth cutting this record, doing it live. Mm. So I mean, it sounds
0: live. I mean, you can tell it's part of the, it's part of the vibe of the whole thing. It's
1: about as live as you can get. So 20 minute workout, let me clear my throat. I got that feeling and a host of other songs. Uh, uh, all done live, and matter of fact, that's the only way that our two records now is live ever since I did 20 minute workouts. So, that's yeah, crazy. and the rest of the history, as they say,
0: I love it. Yeah, you made history with it for sure. And I thanks for that story about how it, I didn't realize it began with you actually like choking a little and, and saying, <laughs> I'm glad so, you okay. said, Let me clear my throat. I'm glad you went I was to the beast a lot. instead <laughs> of it. Could it could be, it could have been called. He's choking, he's choking, but that's better. What it's good you had the wherewithal in that moment. <laughs> Other than that, how did you come up with the famous part where you go? Ah, 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 like, how do you actually just off the gum? I, I coughed. <laughs> I actually
1: coughed. That was an actual real body function right there that most of us do at least once a day. So a lot of people, when they come up to me and say, Yeah. Let me clear my throat. I said, make sure you do that at least once a day because (laughs) you need to clear some things out sometimes. So, you know. So, yeah, that actually happened, like, in
0: real time. That's great. DJ (laughs) Flem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> DJ Hawk There's so many ways we could go with it But DJ Cool sounds better Um, One more final deep dive on the song uh, I don't want to, you know, that's the whole reason we're talking today It went platinum But uh, the idea to go, when I free- say freeze You just freeze one time, stop on a dime Like, do you it, It's sort of that call and the spon- response With the audience, obviously it's live But do you think that's the magic of the song Is that you could put it on at any club, anywhere You know, and, and, and people They sort of get to interact with it
1: I think it's a combination of things. I think that it is one of the major parts of the record because of the, what I like to call the art of call and response, which actually started out in gospel music, if oh, you yeah. think way back, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and also uh, 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 with people like Cab Calloway, Heidi, 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 you know, that right. type of thing. Uh, but yes, call and response, which is a very big part of go music as well. So I think that is one of the, one of the, one of the main uh, parts or, you know, ingredients, let's say of the song that makes it does what it does. Absolutely. Other than the fact that I use the 900 number uh, as a bed and uh, to try to answer a question that you asked me earlier about, I guess, the arrangement of the song and why I decided to use the pieces that I use. The, um, the cool in the game part I just say, you know, okay, this record needs an intro, you know, because I'm all about song arrangement and, you know, and and, and having structure in music and whatnot. That's from my little music, my mu- uh, music theory, you know, class that I took way back. And uh, right. I said, it needs an intro. So I said, cool in the gang, Hollywood swinging. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So- Hollywood. <laughs> so it needed an intro. So I chose that because I knew that. You know, it was automatic. Everybody would know that. anybody that knows anything about music, let's let's put it that way, would know that as soon as they hear it. So it was all about creating another instrumental hook. You know what I mean for the record.
0: Cool in the gang is it was all Hollywood, but for you, you made it DC. Like now, everyone hears that and they think of DC, not necessarily Hollywood. This generation, She sort of grabbed it from the West Coast and brought it over here. <laughs> yes. Did you ever have a talking to with Mace afterwards and say, "Hey, why are you? I just sampled it. Why are you using it again?"
1: Actually, uh, no, that wasn't that wasn't Mace at all. That was um, one of his product, one of his producers uh, yeah. from the um, from the production team.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, that bad boy had at the time. That was D Dot. Mm, okay, that did that song, but he said, and I heard him say this in an interview. He said that I was the inspiration yeah. to use that sample because he heard what I did would let me clear my throat. Exactly. So shout out to D Dot D Dot rather.
0: Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. I'm just joking. Of course, hip hop and all music, really. It's all about samples and borrowing and making something new out of out of, you know, taking what is it, take hits from the 80s and make it sound so crazy. As they
1: <laughs> I want to say something real quick. I'm speaking of Mace, uh, one time the bad boy tour came here. Shout out to Diddy, and he called me and said, Look, cool, I want you to come and rock with us. I want you to get with Mace because what we were going to do was Mace was gonna come out and start off with feel so good. And then maybe like halfway through the song, it was going to start back over again and segue me into doing Let Me Clear My Throat. Ah. The only reason why, and we were supposed to do it at the Capital One Arena. The only reason why it didn't happen is because Diddy at the last moment got a hold of DMX, Rest in peace to DMX. Ah. And he said, cool, I want to do this, but it's not going to work out time-wise because I want DMX to rock. I said, man, I want to see DMX, too, so let's go. You know what I mean? Oh, so man. I hung out with Mace and Diddy for that show, but I was very, very close to making, I would say, a historical and monumental moment in hip-hop when me and Mace getting together to perform that song using the same samples.
0: It would have been really, but Maybe really-
1: we'll do it another time, you know what I mean? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still around. You could still do it. There's still a chance. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe someone listening to this interview will, will call him up. Or maybe you should call him up. He would answer your call. I feel he like would. he would. He, he has. Would. He would. <laughs> he has too. <laughs> and he has. Uh, that's great. All right. So at this point, then then you're on the map. Everyone knows it. They're playing this song at everywhere from clubs to I mean, man, I, I heard it at like middle school dances. Like it was played everywhere when I, you know, it, it was everywhere. Um, so now you're famous. So then how do you follow it up? Because you did give me that beat uh in ninety-seven, I guess the year after um the album. And uh it, you know, you had junkyard bands the word with you. You had Chuck, you brought Chuck, speaking of Chuck Brown, um, Run Joe, you did that right with Chuck Brown on that, right? Um, yeah, just memories of trying to follow up such a huge success and calling in all these favors with all these people you knew. I mean, to make a follow up record,
1: um, well, to give me that beat, that was a go go project. Um, shout out to Becky Marcus and Tom Go, go Fogle, they had, had a company at the time called Liaison Records, and they were a distributor as well. And they was like, Cool, we want you to put together a go go compilation uh project, and so that's what give me that beat was. That was all about. Uh, in my opinion, doing my part to help continue the legacy that Chuck Brown laid down for us as far as go-go music is concerned. Um, but I have had some other singles. See, I have not been signed um, since, I would say, 97. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, man, we thought your record was platinum a long, a long time ago. And it probably was. But I actually got caught up in some uh, record label Bureaucracy. Ah.
0: Let's say. I guess that would
1: be the correct word to use. Well,
0: we're from Washington. Bureaucracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Goes hand in hand, right? So anyway, <laughs> I got caught up in a situation between the label and uh, who was doing distribution for the label. And it got a little bit crazy for me They set your boy on the shelf with a gold record at the time. Uh. And uh, I was like, you know what? That's okay. All things shall pass. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, To make a long story short, Yes, I probably was gold. I mean, I'm sorry, platinum back then, because after I signed with American Records, I was gold in two months. Yeah. We had already sold well over thousand on a label called CLR Records out of Baltimore, Maryland. Shout out to Steve Janis. And uh, we got picked up by American, went gold, just like that. But then, you know, the whole bottom fell out. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to keep working. Yeah. And... um Going back to what I said earlier, thank God I was put in a position last year to be right there at the RIAA offices with all the big wigs, And I guess I just had, you know, the, the, the foresight or whatever you yeah. want to call it, for lack yeah. of a better term, to speak to them about my situation. And they were like, your record been platinum, but we're going to make sure we get the official numbers. And when we do, we'll let you know. So,
0: yeah. Well, then, yeah, I'm, I just want to clarify, because obviously the the whole reason we're running this story and the reason we're pegging it to run it on WTOP now is because it's officially platinum. That's like, you know, the newsworthy headline. So expl- ex- explain what. Yeah. Explain overdue, it sounds like. So, explain exa- Explain exactly if, if it's possible, like just for my purposes, at least when I write the article, like what, what, what exactly, if you don't mind, like what sort of bureaucracy or, or why, why weren't they, why wasn't the RIA tallying it until now? Like, I just want to know the specifics.
1: Because American Records, being the, you know, the actual company that I was signed to, and Warner Brothers, who were the distributors for American, they just said, Phew. Okay. And I I was caught in the middle of it.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. So, but they're saying it probably did. It was a platinum seller by by how big it hit it was years ago, probably. But now it's finally, so you were out there. You happened to be meeting with them or you went out there specifically to to talk about this?
1: I was, well, counselor, I was asked to do an event uh, that was being held at the RIAA. They were doing an award ceremony for, um, uh, Grandmaster Flash and MC Light—they were being presented with the Legacy Award. I was one of the presenters of the Grandmaster Flash segment. Mm. I was asked to come in, and you know, where is that? It, L.A. I'm sorry. No, uh, the actual—the the actual. Well, it used to be in L.A., but now it's here. The, uh, the RAA offices are right here in D.C. It's been here oh. for a few years now.
0: Okay. I guess right makes down, sense. Uh, downtown D.C. I'm sorry? Makes sense. I said it makes sense. Motion picture associations in D.C. I guess they all have their big headquarters here in in nation's capital. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad you finally went and talked to him. We need to get you that damn plaque on the wall, man. You're overdue. <laughs> we're working on
1: it. We're working on that part. And there are a few other things that we're working on as well that I don't want to speak on right now, but we're definitely okay. working on getting the getting the plaque up on the wall, so
0: okay cool that's, well there that's you go all in the works right now yes there's your teaser you have to stay tuned to DJ cool and all the social media and stuff to see what he's teasing there hey real quick before we run I saw an interesting fact and I was like oh yeah we're talking about famous people you work with um didn't you do a song with the late macho man Randy Savage in the early 2000s <laughs> oh yeah dig it <laughs> uh
1: shout out to my man Khalid. um He's actually from a from a, a production company called Ko Productions. He's from here, uh, but he lives in Tampa, Florida now. Once again, I get a phone call. You know, what I mean, hey, cool man. You know, uh, you want to do this song with uh, with the Macho Man? All right, get out of here. You ain't doing no music with Macho Man. Cause I'm a big Macho Man Randy Savage fan. I of might course. be his number one fan. Rest in peace. Exactly. Flying elbow
0: off the top, of course. Oh
1: my God, this guy was the best. So um come to find out that was a real thing. So we went to Tampa, we recorded the record, and here's a fun fact. Macho man was not too far as a person, like in person or what have you, as his character.
0: He talks like that, actually, in real life. Yeah, and DJ Cool and Sun Sunset
1: and blah blah blah. And here yeah, and that's okay. Hulk Hogan and blah, blah. Yeah, that was him. All day, every day, 24-7. Like, that was the actual. So I got a chance after we did the record. We chopped it up, got to know each other. We, I actually got an opportunity to go on a promotional tour with him across the country. We flying in private jets, and we just chopping it up, just having a ball with the macho, man. It hurt me so bad when I heard that he passed away. But he'll always be here with us in spirit. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that's <laughs> so amazing that it's not just a character he portrayed. That You said he talked like that in real life. So we're you yeah. with, with the DJ. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. No, oh, yeah. rest in peace. Man, see you. Yeah. Been- the your music career and your talent has afforded you to meet with some made people from all different realms like that that's pretty that's insane well hey uh we're talking you know i guess i'll pivot out of pro wrestling into into sports because you have the the washington nats hat hat on there with the curly w um a little bit of a rough season this year compared to before but um yeah i i mean i think i've seen you come out at wizards games like you you're you're a big local dc fan but uh yeah, I mean any are, do you still follow all the teams the I guess now now commanders but uh and, and the caps like all the four teams like are you still a fan of all of them?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I'm DC all day every day. Yeah. And honestly, the reason why I wear this W uh the way that I do it it really doesn't have anything to do with baseball but it has everything to do with the uh uh the town that I am from that made me who I am, Washington DC. I mean, I rep my city and I'm not asking nobody else to, you know, rep it the way that I do. That's just how, that's just my thing. You know what I mean? Um, and once again, the reason why, um, I am the way that I am about that is because this is where I'm from. And this is, this is the place that made me, who I am, you know what I mean? If I was yeah. from somewhere else, then you might have got me, you, you still would have probably got DJ cool, but I would have been in a different form. I wouldn't have had this go go background and everything that I have to go along with this hip hop, you know, background that I have. So it would be a little different, but I'm proud uh, to be from here. You know what I mean? I'm extremely probably to the point of insanity. I don't know. I'm just saying it's DC or nothing for me, period. And anybody that knows me will tell you that. I'm very serious about that part. All things chucked round shout out to my man mark ein i can't even call him the commanders but you know he uh he's one of the owner one of the uh, part of the ownership group and he also owns the washington castles uh tennis team that's a part of world team tennis league
0: thanks for shouting out the castles there's dc united i i i said the four main sports but yeah all the all the teams there's all of them the mystics everybody uh, the defenders. I, watch out for them defenders. The defender, they almost did it last year. The D.C. defenders. They went all the way to the title game, didn't they? And, yes, and were they, up, they were supposed goals. to win and got upset. But um, Some of
1: them were playing for the commanders. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> they
0: should. They should bring some of them over, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's awesome. Well, I mean, that's just that's that's I'm glad that you rep, rep D.C. I mean, I, I'm born and raised in Maryland, so I'm with you. It's all around I here. Think. It's all around. It. I mean, I, although I gotta say, I, I usually rock the the O's hat because they the Nats weren't here when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And the Ra- just like the Ravens weren't here, so I was DC football. It is. It's what you grow up with, I guess. But it's all local. It's the DMV, baby. Um well, this
1: W actually comes from the Washington Senators, right? Years ago. Oh. Right, and I'm telling this dude, he said, like, no, they wasn't wearing that. I said, bro, obviously yeah. you're not old enough. Yeah. And he looked to be older than me, God bless him, but he's trying to yes. tell me about this. I okay. said, I used to go to the Senators games as a kid because I lived, mm-hmm. at that particular time, I lived in walking distance uh, to RFK Stadium. Right. We always went to the baseball games. We went to the Skins games, and all of this in the 70s. So you're not going to tell me nothing about this curly W stop it. I mean, you know what I mean? So I don't oh, know yeah. what he was talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, um, fun fact, uh, my grandmother rest in peace when she was a baby sat on Walter Johnson's lap, you know, the Senator's yeah. pitcher. Uh, it right. was one of this, the fun little family facts. And then they played, they played at RFK, the Nats the first year. or two, yeah, Right. I went to a yeah, game when they watched. were at, yeah, it was funny. The team was, you know, red, white, and blue jerseys, but the seats were burgundy and gold. It was funny that first right. year. <laughs> But uh, awesome. Hey, you've been generous with your time. And I think Zoom's going to kick us off in like three minutes. So before we end it, let's bring it back to hip hop. I always want to know, do you have like, like, who are your goats? Like if you had to put like a Mount Rushmore together, I know it's impossible, but like who are like your hip hop greats?
1: Oh, uh, well, I guess it's going to be DJ Cool Hurt for, I guess, introducing the culture, yep. even though a lot of people think differently, but that's another story for another time. Um, I'm going to put. Grandmaster Flash, um, um, I'll put as a group probably Run DMC,
0: of course,
1: because they really when they came in they took it to another level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for me as a group, I'm gonna put Public Enemy. Oh yeah, I know. I, I know you're only supposed to have four. You know. People on the mountain, but I'm doing a little, I'm doing it in a hip hop way now.
0: So carve <laughs> your own mountain. Go for it. Add whoever you want. <laughs> my mountain's
1: pretty big. Um <laughs> and then I will say, I don't know, man. So many folks, man. I'm down to you gotta put Jay-Z up there.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like well Rock
1: him up there too.
0: Rock him. Oh my god, Rock Him, his rhymes are amazing. Like some of the best, some of the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, that's, I mean, that's a great lineup right there. And who cares? You can do more than four. That's fine. Right. Maybe we have several Mount Rushmore's, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Carve them all over. (laughs) the Right. (laughs) Exactly. 50 years worth. You got to have more than just that. Um, And people you named is like 80s, early 90s. I mean, even since then, there's been so many good ones. So, yeah, you'd have to have several mountains, I think. Oh, yeah. well, you had you you're over in the corner there. Carved you carved your own little spot out on that mountain, DJ Cool. It does that. did you get the name? You mentioned DJ Cool Herc. Did, did, did that sort of inspire the name, or where did the DJ Cool with the K come from?
1: No, actually, because um, that comes from my personal sports background. I was a full sport athlete coming up. I played baseball, basketball, okay. football, and ran track. Gotcha. Um, my primary sports. Well, basketball and baseball. Okay. Uh, I was playing organized basketball at the time for the CYO league. And I don't know how far you go back with your sports, but that's the Catholic youth organization. Cool. Uh had a had some good college players come out of that, come out of that league back in the day. Matter of fact, um, who's that uh? Tom Skates. This is oh, okay. like yeah, way back, Georgetown basketball. He was a nice. son, but I remember playing against him. Uh when he was playing for St. Anthony's and I was playing for say, um who was I playing for? Immaculate Conception at the time. Or even St. Peter's, one of the two. now I was playing for St. Peter's at the time. And we seen this dude like way bigger than all of us. Like we, you know, five footers and went on big Tom Skates coming that damn near six eleven as a kid. I'm like, what is this? Why does I have a giant? You know what I mean? So yeah. um uh, when I was playing on this, I was playing for the Immaculate Conception at the time. And It was these two cats, Buzzo and Jody, two teammates of mine. Would always talk about the way that I came down the court because I I was a point guard and uh, a shooting guard, so primarily point. I couldn't just come straight down the court with the ball. I had to go behind my back, through my legs, da 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 da. Magic Johnson, all of that. Yeah. So they would say, "Look at that cool ass." Guy, that's uh-huh. like I should have just edited that, but look, look at that cool guy coming down the court. Look yeah,
0: it's cool... fine. You can cool. say it. It's fine.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, I guess just let people use their imagination and kind of fill in the right, right. So um, when I became a DJ, I was like, you know what? Cool. Okay. I'll use that as my DJ handle and I'll spell it with a K instead of a C. And there you go.
0: Right. Hey, like, is that like the cigarettes? Wasn't that with the K back in the day? Yes yeah yes. okay okay gotcha gotcha and maybe
1: that's well, where i got it from like subconsciously or what <laughs> I don't who, know.
0: who knows who knows but hey we appreciate you you taking so much time i didn't know we were going to talk for you know a good 40 minutes or whatever but i really yeah. really appreciate you taking that and congrats on let me clear my throat finally getting certified platinum like you say probably was probably was years ago but now it's official right baby
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> and I'm glad that it happened now with everything going on with the 50th anniversary of hip hop and everything, as opposed to happening 20 plus years ago. Yes, it would have still had some significance now, but not be as significant as it happening right now. You know what I mean? So, you right. know, God bless.
0: Because now now we get to talk about it as part as, as we're like examining the historical impact of the genre and all that. And uh yeah, so the timing's great. The timing's great, and plus uh,
1: we didn't have stuff like stuff like this. Back then, we didn't have yeah. social media and podcasting and all that kind of stuff back in the 90s it, it, yeah. it didn't exist.
0: So you yeah. and I could not have hopped on a Zoom call and talked, you know, from our respective rooms. I mean, yeah, exactly. So grateful for a, a lot of things. But thank you for coming on WTOP. That's how we'll end it. I mean, I can't believe that we have not had you on all these years. That is a that is a shame and an oversight. But we're correcting that now. <laughs> yes, right now. All right. Hey, thank you so much, DJ Cool. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. WTOP, keep
0: it locked, all right? WTOP. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.